women actually are working in these male-dominated patriarchal systems where they feel like they have to compete and they have to be in a kind of combative, proving yourself, validating yourself space, and then they go home and the second stress is when they walk through the door, they have to now manage the second job, which is yes. taking care of the family. And this is the rising crisis of women's health into the future yeah. is that more and more women are showing up as anxious. I heard from psychotherapist friends of mine that work in addiction, that substance abuse is on the rise in women. It's actually yeah. overtaking men. Correct. And alcoholism as well. So we know that we really have to do something to create these kind of sharing, loving, connected, healthy, feminine energy spaces for women. No more toxic energy competing with each other. No more jealousy and envy. We really do have to have each other's back. But to do that, we have to sort out our own inner wounding with our mothers and with our uh, grandmothers and heal a lot of the trauma that goes on in relationships also with men where we feel we lose our power or we give it away simply. Welcome back to another episode of Thriving Through Menopause podcast, the show where we crack open the conversation about this time of life and empower you to become the CEO of your menopause transition. I'm your host, Dr. Clarissa Christensen. Join me and my guests as each week we show you how you can thrive through menopause. Well, welcome to another episode of Thriving Through Menopause. And today we're going to be talking really about empowering women, about changing the conversations around women's health. And so I'm delighted today to be joined by somebody I know is passionate about women's health. She is a clinical psychologist She's also someone working as a visibility coach to elevate female leaders. Welcome, Hellenic Ejeru. Thank you so much, Clarissa. It's exciting to meet you and know that we share such a passion for women and to have this kind of deeper, more truthful conversation today is something I'm very excited about. Thanks for inviting me. Well, I'm delighted you're here. You and I have had some offline conversations before the podcast, so I know how passionate you are from your own personal journey and the work you do to really changing and cracking open conversation around how important it is for women to be able to take more control of their health, empower themselves and step into a new world, a different normal than the one we have today. But start with your own journey because I'm sure the listeners are very curious about how you came to the point where you are today. Thank you. Yes, I've been on quite a journey, let's say. I started off being born in Zimbabwe, which is uh, the new name for what it was when I was born, which was called Rhodesia. It was really colonized by the British. And I left when I was three to South Africa, grew up there and left when I was 32. My parents are still there and went back to the ethnic home we have, the nationality I carry is Greek Cypriot. So I went back to the island of Cyprus, worked there for a while. And after about 13 years, I got very sick. And I was the last person in the world people would ever imagine would get sick because I was a vegetarian. I've been meditating for 10 years. I'm very spiritually minded. I was very aware of a lot of ways to deal with stress. I think retrospectively to understand the kind of pressure and strain that women are really under to compete and perform in the world 
with all its disparity and what we now call the patriarchal system and the kind of uh, interest we have to have equality and to be seen and heard and to be valued, I think, is something that put, uh, without knowing it, a lot of pressure onto me and my journey. There's many other factors involved, but I also had to unpack really the, the deeper reasons for why we get unwell. And uh, when I got really sick, it was very important to go through this realization, and that's ultimately what happened, that um, health is so many more things than what we are told it is. And so for me, it was one of the biggest challenges of my life. Even though I'd lived an incredible journey, I was a drum therapist. I developed a new style of working with instruments and music and rhythm to work with children, adults, UN uh, projects for peace. I'd done so many innovative um, processes and procedures and worked in 13 countries around the world. So I was living and expressing myself, but at the same time, there was this friction of the way the world is all the injustice in the world, all the concerns I had about the world, and then also the way our world is actually changing, the levels of pollution and toxicity, Clarissa, I'm not sure oh, yeah. how deep you get into this, into your program, but it's it's increased to the level where there is so many more um, estrogen-based cancers, women's bodies growing happily, <laughs> and more and more women are getting really sick. And we don't know enough about the hormonal system. That's something that struck me in one of my yoga classes with um, someone I respect deeply who um, told me that modern medicine knows the least about the way the hormonal system works. In fact, the pineal gland in the brain is regulating hormones, adrenaline, melatonin, all kinds of things. And that's why they would do this upside down yoga posture. I'm sure you've seen it on their heads. So she would explain that it's not healthy to do that if you have any toxins running in your body because it reorganizes your hormonal and that's why you do it. And if there's toxicity in the bloodstream, it doesn't do it properly. <laughs> so then she, you know, it's so important to know that um, your hormone system is one of the most profound systems of knowledge and information that's moving through your body. So I understood when I got sick that the way all this was going to be managed, I did have a hormonal cancer and the estrogen balance uh, and all the, the food and health related issues connected to that was something I was going to have to in, inquire into and learn lots about. And I did do that. Mm. And of I became then very clear that we have to talk more about this connection between the mind and the body. Yeah. Because it's not separate like they, they really do. No. I think, I think you've really hit some of those key points. I mean, firstly, I, I agree with you about toxins. And uh, in fact, for the listeners, we're actually having a lady who's coming on in a couple of weeks' time to talk specifically about toxins <laughs> because it is such an important part as you raise there. And even if we think we're eating healthily, you know, you and I might agree there that, that it's not as healthy as we think it is. You know, that these toxins, even if we're vegetarian, can still be in our right. system. Yeah. And that's, I think what I discovered is that as a vegetarian, you're actually, and uh, sometimes vegan even, and there's a lot of controversy now about this, but really the food supply and the quality of food is deteriorating. That's why there's been so much uproar about Monsanto and all these GMO oh, yeah. foods. Yeah. But ultimately, even as a vegetarian, vegetables have certain um, 
uh, crop decay and certain water pollution in the soil and certain estrogens in fact themselves are circulating in the sky so it's not enough to say that you won't get sick from uh, just being a vegetarian but there's also to my shock and horror lots of ways that um, estrogen is used now to uh, create all kinds of pesticides yes. and protection from other harmful uh, aspects and we also have a lot of um, possible infection mm -hmm. from just having too much um, uh, stress in the body that then creates this imbalance in the hormonal system and then you start producing more uh, hormones than you need more yeah. estrogen for example and so the way your body is able to then clear out all these toxins decreases so maybe for most of us we can handle the toxins and mm -hmm. we manage but i think when your body goes through a little bit of a vulnerable space it's even more difficult and that then becomes a secondary problem so it may not be the cause but it definitely plays a role in the picture no so, exactly yeah yeah that's true and i think that that's sort of i mean when we do meet those things and as you said we're also on top of that trying to trying to do it all and be it all and live in this patriarchal world. Um, yeah. I mean, from your point of view, how does that really um, affect women? I mean, even right down on a, on a mind body level, I mean, how is, in your opinion, that really creating some of the issues for women? It's the, I think the ultimate question for our generation and it's, it's exacerbating because I think when I look back, at my personal story, I'm not a typical woman in corporate going out there to prove myself to a boardroom of men in a male-dominated profession, mm. as there are many. Um, but certainly my initiation into uh, breast cancer and what it's taught me, and having gone through the experience years before that with my sister who got sick and not having it in the family, meant that it was a great shock for me to get sick at that point and realized then that I needed to understand deeper reasons why. So when my sister got sick, I did a lot of research to understand what we call the profile of women who get breast cancer, psychological profiles, research by a man called Hanok. And um, I don't fit that profile. So when I got sick, I was very confused. And so I started looking more into the profile and more into women in general. And this kind of example I just mentioned of women in corporate who are, let's say, going out there to compete in a man's world and who do want to have it all. And I think there's a few realizations from that and I can share three maybe with you. The first one is that really it is a double signal, double message in society for most women. Some me uh, media is sending out very strongly the message that you can have it all which a lot of us want to buy into and i myself am a great example i believe you can have it all. um and i wanted to have it all and really you know when it came to having children that became more complicated because you have to negotiate when you're going to have it and so there's these very wise women later who come around and say you can have it all but not all at the same time and then you think wow that's a pearl of wisdom <laughs> the thing i learned is that um well, just to say more about the double signal, there's another message that's really telling women that they have to uh, be great mothers. They have to uh, have motherhood as the signal of their value in their maturity, really. That's an important, important life process to go through in order to have value as a woman. 
And they're also being told that they have to do more, have more, uh, not in the sense of, of have it all, but they need to do more things to be able to have it all. So you get this message that you can have it all, it's all great, it's all out there for you, and then you get this other message that, well, you don't really have everything you need, you kind of still have to be a mother, you have to buy this Maybelline lipstick, you have to put on this black dress, you've got to have this kind of guy in your life, this kind of job. So there's all the promotion and advertising that's around women's health and beauty improvement that yeah. creates other message that you're not kind of good enough yet and you've got to get better before you can have it all. So these are the mixed messages I talk about. Interestingly enough, in younger women, it's one of my areas of research for women of truth where I've set up an entire conferencing platform and membership circle and we start listening to the voices of younger women. They are even more confused by this particular problem that they're getting a lot of messages from older women that mm -hmm. they can and they see so many more of us stepping up, speaking, going to conferences, flying around the world now, running our own businesses, CEOs of A, B, and C. Yes. yes. Um, the Huffingtons, the Kardashians, Absolutely, the everything. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> same time they're getting all this media exposure instagram comparison mm -hmm. social media comparison and even more advertising and even more products and even influencers who are now selling products yes. so this has intensified the second thing i realized is that uh, we really do have to have a bigger conversation about body and mind and how they fit together and i think i said that before so it's one of our conference themes very passionate about bringing more women to the conversation about what we call functional medicine or integrative medicine. Very popular in Israel and some areas. Yeah. Really looking at how you take a medical degree and then embellish it, enrich it with a more holistic perspective. And there are very few people on the planet prepared to really put their money behind where their mouth is on this subject. It's hard to pin someone down and say like, can you bring something more useful to women who have you know cancers or sexual reproductive problems or whatever else or just and women in general actually i'd say because i think you know women are met with you know um either disbelief and disinterest or they are given um, a lot of anti-anxiety antidepressant hrt in in the case of the women who listen to this show and are kind of pushed you know here's a short-term solution please go away now Whereas actually the solution lies in the mind and the body, how, how much stress is in there. And, and underneath that, the sort of things about, well, what are you eating? How are you moving? That conversation doesn't come from the current medical establishment. It's, it, it isn't even that it's broken. The conversation isn't, isn't there. Well, it's so uh, problematic to begin to treat the breasts let's say separate from the heart separate from the head separate from the liver separate from the uterus and you start to see that it's total it's a total fabrication it's an illusion the body and the mind for example are operating at the same time in the same time space continuum and they are just words that we use for our beingness so when you when you kind of have to go through recovery and this is such a powerful um, teaching. And I guess this is one reason that I went through it because as I was going through it, I, I vowed that I would use everything I learned to teach more women and I would be a stand. Mm -hmm. First, I made a stand to, to be there for sexual violation because I worked three years with women who were raped 
before I started my degree as a clinical psychologist in South Africa, that's one rape every four seconds. I heard from my intern, it's now one rape every three seconds. Gosh. And it is in fact one of the health issues with uh, the UN um, conversations, mm -hmm. the sexual mm -hmm. violence. Yeah. And you know anything about sexual trauma, you, you also understand that it has a lot to do with damaging a woman's self-esteem and her value of self and her whole reproductive system as well can be in jeopardy. So we know that that's one stand very worth standing for. And then when I had this illness, I realized I need to stand for this as well because as you rightly say, the body and mind have been separated so often for women that we also have a disconnection sometimes with our own menstrual cycles, our own changing menopausal phases because of the loss of sisterhood and connection and elder women in our communities gathering, talking, laughing, sharing their wisdom with us, which is now being replaced by wonderful people like you and the work you do, Clarissa. So these conversations are so important for women to feel empowered about how they'll have sex with their husbands, how they'll deal with their husbands having affairs, how they'll deal with whatever else is going to happen to them in their lives. Maybe a husband who leaves or maybe they have the affair and they're not happy where they are or maybe they get very sick or maybe they're going to have early menopause or maybe they need to know how to teach their grandchildren about menstruation differently to how their grandmothers did it. Whatever it is, we don't have that in our cultures anymore. So we're struggling. And I think that mind-body connection is also so important to help women reown and reactivate their own ownership over their own bodies. Because until now, most of the gynecological areas in a woman's body are named after male doctors who discovered them. Yes. This is all the work of Dr. Chris, uh, Christian Northrup. So yes. it was very concerning to me that um, the whole uterus area is connected to power, um, money, mm -hmm. and um, sexuality and creativity. So when a woman's trying to create her career path and she's got her mind racing one direction and she's not in sync with really with her body or she's doing more than her body can handle. Mm -hmm. I'll give you my example again. I wasn't going against my body at all, but what I, because I was very much in my body. I've been a dancer all my life. I'm, I'm a yoga practitioner, yoga teacher, meditator. So I was very aware of my body, but what I was doing, which is the big paradox here is that I was so inspired and excited in my life that I was running a lot of adrenaline Yes. to the point of burning out my kind of cortisol and mm. my pancreatic system and trying to also stabilize my economic um, situation meant that I was running after a lot of inspiration, doing things I really felt passionate and mean mm -hmm. and was, was filled with it, but I still wasn't actually calm and rested enough yeah. in this relaxed place that actually is a very important state for women to be in. So the third thing I realized is really the importance of this sisterhood and the oxytocin that we all need as women to lower stress levels, how to be with more women that are on our level mm -hmm. and how to have them have our back. There's a lot of competitive, jealous, wounded yes. women in yes. the world because of patriarchy, because of how we've been taught to be competitive in the patriarchal system. Yeah. It's not in our feminine nature. We're more collaborative. And I realized that I had a little of that and it was kind of about feeling like I needed to prove myself. 
so many times over because mm -hmm. I was, let's say, grown up as a person who had, let's say, a lot more interest and passion for life. And often that came across in ways where people felt, felt overwhelmed yeah. and sometimes even didn't understand me. Like at university, I had my head chopped off a lot of times because I was very spiritual as a psychologist. Yes, yes. Yeah, I can that doesn't always go well together. A lot of people in that profession are very uncomfortable, even today, both yeah. in psychology and psychiatry, are very uncomfortable with the spiritual uh, dimension. Right. So that was the poppy, the, the tall poppy syndrome, I got told later, you know, where your head pops up above the other flowers and they're farming the flowers, so they chop your head off. Yep. So I had that done a lot because I ended up getting branded as kind of problematic, difficult, know-it-all, uh, perspicacious was the best compliment I got because forward-thinking or innovative and mm. I would preempt a, a, a question and the lecturers would get very irritated. Sometimes ADD kids have this or they, they, they have, do. Have, they have do. a little bit of that ADD yeah. adrenaline vibe, you know, you see quite a few of these women out there also, you know, we sometimes call them alpha females. Yes. So, these alpha females are something I did lots of research on and they are the ones in the boardrooms going out there and being in the boardroom with lots of men. And I realized really that sisterhood has to be re-embodied, re-honored and re-respected by women. And, and because we have so much wounding, we also have to look at our relationships with our mothers because there is a lot of oh, yes. stuff that goes wrong or, or really hurts us or helps us create this kind of distortion around how much to trust other women. Mm. And I, I think you've hit on a really strong point there, actually, that quite often um, a midlife woman will feel this one is that we haven't have not have difficulty with our male colleagues. You know, they don't want to know about menopause. No, no, I don't want to talk about it because there's lots of embarrassment and taboo, but often the most unsympathetic as your younger female colleague. She's quite competitive. She's pushing ahead. She wants to get on. And this is all very, very difficult for her. And she doesn't know how to react. And so she reacts quite strongly. Or women, just as you said, compete with each other because that's what's been instilled into us to do in it, particularly in a corporate world. You know, it's a dog-eat-dog -dog world there. It's, I, I don't know your view, but I've always felt it runs on a male's hormonal cycle of 24 hours and not a female's 28, which causes conflict in itself. So when women try to force themselves into a different rhythm of being in here, then it sets up that, that competitive male, which, is, which comes across really badly in women. We become more aggressive because it's almost not in our nature. And I think all of what you've just said, Clarissa, is exactly what I discovered myself too. And I remember being very struck by the man who wrote the book, Women Are From Venus and Men Are From Mars, Dr. John Gray. And I followed his work for a while. And trained with many people uh, in the last uh, 10 years on relationships and feminine power and uh, then set up Women of Truth. And I wanted to know if the research was true. So then I did these interviews with 80 women and now I'm finishing them to 100. And what I heard him say in the research was so uh, concerning that it really positions this conversation clearly for us all to know that we do have work to do as women to repair 
our wounds and to take better care of ourselves and to start creating a structure that really works well for us because we don't have one. We've been trying to fit into the one men designed and that's really problematic. And the thing that he said was that women actually are scoring much less now on the happiness surveys than they ever have, even though they can have it all and they're able to vote and they're able to work and they were scoring happier before because women were really just content with their family uh, pleasure and fulfillment, mm. whereas now women are scoring less than men. And when he went in to discover why, he found out that the working woman, the working modern woman right now, is looking for a much more fulfilling personal loving relationship, first of all, which she's not often finding in relationships and that causes a lot of disparity, displeasure and stress. And I know a lot of women who get sick also, because obviously I've done a lot of the investigating now into burnout, immunity system disorders, other kinds of cancers. Mm. Um, and women who are getting sick, they often stay with partners. This wasn't my case, but often it is where they are with partners, where they deal with situations that are not really optimum for their, them and their health and or they grow the family. So this was one thing that he noticed was that women wanted more quality relationships. They weren't getting that kind of intimacy from men. And so the whole story needs to elevate. And the second thing was that women actually are working in these male dominated patriarchal systems where they feel like they have to compete and they have to be in a kind of combative, proving yourself, validating yourself space. And then they go home. And the second stress is when they walk through the door, they have to now manage the second job, which is yes. taking care in the family and this is the rising crisis of women's health into the future is that more and more women are showing up as anxious i heard from psychotherapist friends of mine that work in addiction that substance abuse is on the rise in women it's actually yes. overtaking men correct and alcoholism as well so we know that we really have to do something to create these kind of sharing loving connected, healthy, feminine energy spaces for women. No more toxic energy competing with each other, no more jealousy and envy. We really do have to have each other's back. But to do that, we have to sort out our own inner wounding with our mothers yes. and with our uh, grandmothers and heal a lot of the trauma that goes on in relationships also with men where we feel we lose our power or we give it away simply. Yeah. It's hard, hard work. Oh, but yeah, this is hard, this is hard work. You're so right. This is hard work. And I think it's it's also those dual roles, which are so different, like you mentioned. So right. here at work, we're all power. And I'll, I'll tell you a joke. I worked in a marketing department for a number of years and they said, oh, you don't want to work there. And they were all women leaders. So there's more testosterone there than the front row of the wallabies. <laughs> you know, and I was like, what the heck? But it was true that women had dialed up this male energy far more than the men that, that were there in order right. somehow to survive and then we have to go home and be soft and feminine and loving with our children and our partners and it, it's a it's a strain to split yourself like that and it play and a lot of those women who were that you know so we say dichotomy almost were actually have now gone through breast cancer, have other issues, an amazing number. And I'm not saying it's a direct one-on-one, -on -one, but it was interesting how many of them have ended up there or who've just crashed and burned 
and left that environment like I did myself. I had to, in the end, I burned out and had to leave. And, and I think we brought up a really valuable point is how do we move forward to something that is mind, body, connected and, and more balanced in this space? Yeah, I was I was uh, thinking about your background in, in corporate and and really I know many women who come come from that and they have a very similar story that they've either burnt out or they realized they were serving someone else's dream and it just wasn't aligning with them anymore. Somewhere the body talks and the body says enough mm-hmm. and burnout is almost a gift to many of us to really slow down and, and start to, to look at how to be aligned with the body. So that experience, Clarissa, I'm sure um, you uh, found, like many of the people I've spoken to as well, the, the really intolerable uh, situation that can take place where you are having to prove yourself as a woman and there's other women that are then not happy with you doing it the way you do it. And we also know that women who show ambition mm-hmm. are not met with approval and support love and kindness in fact at Erasmus University here near where I am in Rotterdam they have a businesswoman organization and a PhD on that subject they do lots of research and the the woman who runs it Diane Bevelander South African as well so I was very interested in in her talks and her sharings about the research and she has done extensive research on how men perceive female leaders and it's so interesting to hear the evidence that They don't consider female leaders as very visionary or as very able to get the job done, even though we know from Harvard Business Review studies, articles that have been written, many different research studies around the world, and these ones as well, that the women were doing the jobs very, very well. In fact, women out of 19 qualities in leadership are better in 17 of those qualities than men. They score higher by 2%. Only in two do they score lower. her research was uh, so um, complex, but her main message at the end of it all, and this is why I'm sharing it with you, is to teach women to not backbite other women when they are ambitious and or when they are looking for opportunities in the workspace, because that was what she found to be the most problematic dynamic in female leadership, is that other women will criticize her and tear her down and she was saying to all women, and she's an older lady, so she was like a grandmother kind of crone energy, you know, yeah. saying, well, all you girls, because they were all young women, <laughs> not me, I'm a little older, saying, now, all you young women and all you girls, I don't ever want to hear you or see you being criticizing, being hate- hateful or criticizing another woman out there ever again. It is the biggest poison for our gender. It's the biggest problem we have to solve before we get to any other. So gender equality and women performing well and getting more opportunities and being more healthy has a lot to do with how much trust we have with other women. And that's a big job, isn't it, for us to be able to do that now or maybe 2020 with everything that's changed is the opportunity. I'd love to hear your view there i think it's it's essential and i'll tell you that i've come across this beautiful uh, wording called power partnership in feminine circles from it's really coined by a woman called dr claire zamet who works to train up to now six hundred thousand women in feminine power 
an amazing uh, researcher and trainer. And she has this kind of no-nonsense policy when she works with women about no-nonsense policy around doubting yourself, not putting down proper boundaries, and not respecting yourself enough, right? So that's something we just cannot tolerate anymore in ourselves. We do have to give ourselves enormous respect and enormous value because we dilly-dally, doubt, slip and slide all over things, and that makes us kind of really non-committal sometimes. We don't take good care of ourselves. We overgive. We go into what's called toxic femininity, not her term, mine, and Blanca Vergara, another lady I talked to as well, um, where we, we overgive, we overcare, we overconcern, we, we mother, mm-hmm. right? And I think for us to get all of this balanced and to get ourselves back into healthy positions, we have to do a very serious job on the inside about our inner worth and our inner value. And I call that the inside up method. So it's like, how do you go from the inside up? Yeah. Is you work on the inside, you don't just get success and then you don't just strike some strategy on social media and then you're an entrepreneur of brilliance. Yeah. <laughs> you have to work on yourself. And as you do, if you're a CEO of a company or the mother of a family, you have to work on yourself. And then this whole very important aspect of being able to take better care of each other and to develop very powerful connections with women that are mature, very healthy, and that are not jealous or envious of you or you them. Women that you totally respect. And hopefully, as you graduate in doing this, as you learn more and more and work on yourself, and you, you're very welcome to come and work with anyone. I mean, there's so many people doing this work. You're doing this work. I'm doing this work. Many other women out there. But it involves a certain amount of emotional maturity that we have to learn to not play around with these destructive energies of envy and jealousy and competitiveness. We need to be respectful of each other and find ways to collaborate. And when you find those kind of women, they are in your corner and they have your back they become your power partners. And I have a few of those, Clarissa, and I think you and I are going to become ones as well, where we just stand for each other and we support each other to be as brilliant, bright, and beautiful as we can for the the unique contribution we have in the world. And even if it's similar to what I do, or if it shares in what I do, I, I find a way to be in the same circle with you with that wisdom and knowledge and to also support you in yours and to support you to become even more unique with what you do because that's how I no longer compete with you or anyone because no one can compete with anyone because we're all so totally unique. It's only when we haven't discovered that that we still play out these very toxic dynamics with other women. So power partnership, finding your soul tribe, being in these great spaces where you connect with women who are very powerful and very supportive and you become one yourself. This is the new frontier. This is the paradigm shift for women. And it's very much what I think uh, needs to happen so that we have more visibility and more healthy opportunities for women Mm. to be more in the light, to be more great examples, to lead the way a little bit more into the future from very difficult times into hopefully more fulfilling and uh, enriching times for our lives. And women that can then guide us and show us the way, but that we also emulate, we want to become like, and we don't, we don't envy them or are jealous of them. We admire them and we feel inspired by them and we're guided by them. And that is the true feminine way. That's how it was in antiquity. The yep. woman would respect and admire, revere yes. the woman 
who were the priestesses or the elders or the crones or the mothers and the grandmothers, and you look at any indigenous tribe, you'll see the same kind of respect yeah. is when someone knows more or someone has done it before you, you follow and you learn and then you do it yourself and you do it for others. It's, it's not about jealousy and envy, but it takes some work inside yeah. to do it. I think this is 2020. 2021, 2022, all the way to 2030, our work and as more women. and more. <laughs> it's all the beauty of being women. There are a lot of things to iron out to do that. Yes. Working in a circle with other women. Yes. And doing very specific purification processes, whatever that might be for you. It's yeah. meditating, it's eating really well, it's fasting a little bit, it's going on walks into nature on your own, it's learning to stand on your own, learning to know your own value needs to happen. Mm. And then you can look for these tribes, these communities, these networks. There's so many right now. Yes. One of my questions in the interview, and we'll ask it to you, Clarissa, is what do you think about these women's movements and what would you add to it? What would you subtract? I mean, there's so many out there offering this yeah. kind of stuff. Find one that you resonate with and really get the kind of sisterhood and community that we all really need to be flourishing as well. And, and I agree with you. And I think this is such a great time right now to do that because our world is so broken right now. It's quite obvious to every woman and quite a lot of men that this is not working. While we are right now, the mess we're in right now has to be a chance for women as well, not just to heal ourselves, but to come in and be a different force in the world. And, and that comes from, we stop competing, we start working together with a different energy. So I think that the women that I work with and the women's groups that I'm connected, we are lifting each other up. There's no competing anymore. And those that compete fall out of those circles. Exactly. Yes. They, they don't stay there. You know, we come together and we want to respect each other for our knowledge, for the, each perspective that each of us brings because we're beautiful and unique. And that would be my message to my listeners, exactly like yours. Come together with other women, feel support. It doesn't mean that we're excluding men. And I think that's an important aspect. This is not about excluding men, but it's about women working together to lift ourselves up in a completely different way. And I mean, menopause is a great time to do that because so much is changing for us in our own bodies that we have a unique opportunity here to do that. I wonder if you uh, um, can answer this question for me. I heard it, but I'm not exactly sure that it's uh, evidenced in, 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 in every woman. But uh, I think I was... Uh, learning from a lady called Ali Brown many years ago that uh, many women in their 50s, menopause just after, have a resurgence of this powerful creative energy that they had when they were teenagers or, or just into their 20s. And this is the reason that there's so much booming entrepreneurship by women who set up their own businesses in menopause. And I wondered if it's actually true, if you're seeing it in your community or in the work that you do with women, right? Is that right? It's right. It's absolutely right. That in my own work, I'm seeing lots of women saying, well, hang on a minute, this time is, is mine now. A lot of our, we are very bounded by a lot of our biolog biology. A lot of the time, you know, we have this, where we have our children and, and those pressures get lifted as we get into our 50s. Our periods are gone. Our children are growing up. 
And sadly, our parents, which we also feel we need to care for often, start to, to fade away. And we then sit and say, well, what do I want? And, and some women do become entrepreneurs. I mean, that's the fastest growing group is women over 50 starting their own businesses because what's going on in the workplace doesn't fit us anymore. We're different and we don't want that route. If we can leave, a lot of women start, even if they start a side hustle, they become entrepreneurial in some way. Or we start a project that we've put on hold for so long for other people and go, no, now my is my time. Whether that's painting or photography or whatever it is, we step out differently. And those things change. I see women, and I think I'd love to hear from my listeners. I love your comments. You can send and mail them to me, but I'd love to hear that too. We start to change in small ways. And in those ways, we're changing our communities as well. So it becomes one circle that becomes bigger and bigger as we, as we do this. And, and I think that is what is, is beautiful, that reinvention. And I think they may reinvent many times at this time of life. We're not so fixed on the model of what it needs to look like. It's what feels right for us to do. Yeah, that's such a powerful message for women to have and to know that they're going to be moving into that phase. So I'm really glad that it's, uh, true and that it's showing up you know and it's still something then to look forward to in life because I do have clients who've reached that stage and they have the sense of freedom you know to create and do new things and because we now have a, a change upon us a real paradigm shift I keep calling it mm -hmm. um, we are going to need the wisdom of those women who also have that creative energy and that reinvention that you 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 said uh, clarissa such a lovely word for that time so those are the women that often i call on to step up and uh, share their wisdom more and more and many are ready to do so some not so much um, doesn't matter for me i want to elevate that wisdom to begin to really share that with the younger women whatever age they are in because the world is changing rapidly and of course uh, the new generation doesn't have the same workforce to go into as those women did no. but there is still a very powerful connection that we need to keep making you know an umbilical cord that really ties us even to our grandmothers still so these older ladies for for uh, all sense and purposes have a great contribution to make to the community out through the internet onto social media through their businesses it doesn't have to be anymore how it was like back home with your extended family it's gone beyond that and it's actually very beautiful to think of it as an extended circle then as well so those um voices are so important and it's it's a message i also want to give to women to not think of anything as over in that time because it's in fact the beginning the fruition the flowering of your powerful, beautiful tree that's given shade and fruit and so much blessing and nourishing to everyone around you that you now start to flower in this way. And it's such a beautiful time. And we want to reap the benefits of that. So please share your wisdom. <laughs> we will do. And I love that. If you had one message you wanted to women to take or the step that they could take now to move forward on that journey, what would that be? Oh, that's a great question and so hard to always sum up into one. Um, I think it's uh, 
always been my message. And it's a little bit more than what it sounds, um, but it's really this inside up method. And I think it's very important for every single woman to make sure that she has healed whatever has deeply hurt her in her life. Th that wound that women carry is not like men. They have a different way of relating to their emotion. But for us as women, if there's something that is inside that is really unhealed or hurts deeply, um, it's probably, and this is the most beautiful message um, from anything that hurts us, the very place where you will be able to catalyze your unique brilliance and your lessons and learning from your life. So if you don't address it, you miss out on whatever wisdom it's going to actually teach you. So if you suppress it or you minimize it, or you just go into the toxic handling it and being angry or frustrated or resentful or all that stuff that we do, the friction, you know that there's a health consequence to it, but you also know that you would be missing out on this great wisdom. So my, my big message is to really do the work, to go inside and discover your beauty and your uniqueness and your, your, your true wisdom from what has hurt you deeply because inside there lies the golden nugget. That is beautiful. Thank you so much for coming and sharing your wisdom. How can the listeners get in touch with you and, and follow the work you and get involved in the work you do? Well, thank you, Clarissa. It's been lovely to have this chat and it's always nice to really get down to the nitty gritty. So I can be very much reached anywhere. I'm very uh, available online, but you can find me on LinkedIn or on my website under the name Helenique A and you spell it H-E-L-E-N-I-Q-A.com. And that's my nickname, Helenique. My real name is Helen. So you just have to add an IQ on that and then A. And then you have it. And then on LinkedIn, I also have a big network there and I love corresponding with people and supporting them. If you want to get involved in any of our work as a female leader, if you have a message and you really want to be on a bigger stage or you want to reach heart-based leaders around the world, you want to get more clients, you want to be seen and heard more for what you do, I help you develop that message and I help get you connected to four very powerful networks by referral. And then I connect you to another 12 where you can get podcasts, interviewing, all kinds of visibility and publicity for your business and your brilliance. And that's on Women of Truth, Yin. And that's the group on Facebook, Women of Truth, Y-I-N. But you can also find the Women of Truth groups and platforms on LinkedIn and on my website. And we'll be having Clarissa on. So you're going to hear all the wonderful answers she has for the research I've been doing with 68. <laughs> <laughs> and we have a really wonderful um, group of women to support you and, and help you really develop because what I think we need more than anything else, Carissa, and this is why we connected, is real epic female leadership, this feminine wisdom. The world is so thirsty for women to nurture them and support them into this unknown. You know that women are the bringers. Yes. Of and they are the creators of culture and so we have a role to play and the Dalai Lama said it too didn't he he said the modern woman has the compassion and the knowledge so we do have to cultivate our compassion and knowledge truthfully and help support and lead our communities into this time of great change 
That is wonderful. Helenique, thank you so much for your wisdom and everything you've shared today. And I hope listeners that, you know, you took away some really big messages there, you know, but the uh, inside up was one that definitely resonated with me. Thank you. Thank you so much. For me, that has been a wonderfully engaging conversation. And really, we are right at the biggest shift that many of us have lived through in our lives. A paradigm shift, as Helene calls it. An opportunity for us as women to really look at where we are, the way we're living our lives, juggling different aspects of our life, sometimes to our own detriment, and that we have, at this moment in time, an opportunity for reinvention. If you have enjoyed this, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you're a woman who is looking for midlife reinvention and more support to do so, then connect with me, Clarissa Christensen, at clarissachristensen.com and let's start a conversation. Next week, I'm going to be joined by Molly McLaughlin. We are going to be talking sleep. That's one of my favourite topics, and I'm sure it's one of yours too. Until next time, go well.